This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. All right, it's that time. Part two, episode number two. It's the Sour Hour. I'm Jay Goodwin. We're here at the Hop Grenade in downtown Concord, here with Moscow. How's it going? It's going good, man. You know, we're looking uh, an awful lot like brothers these days, you and me. You're a good-looking man. That's a fact. I only said that to get a compliment of you. There you go. I'm, I'm glad it worked. Speaking of compliments, the lovely Bevo is here, too. Hi, Beav. Joining us in front of the glass, because there's some uh, some maintenance going on or something. Oh, wait. Now go. Uh, I got to turn you is, on. Is oh, in here? Oh, yes, there hi, are. there I am. Hi. Yes, I get to sit with you guys for a few minutes. Yeah. Maybe the whole show. Who knows? Maybe. Speaking of tonight's show, we're going to be talking to Lauren Salazar from New Belgium Brewing Company. Lauren is literally a sour beer legend, so it's a great honor to have her on. Um, anyone who's ever met Lauren knows that she's one of the, the very best people in an industry full of, of great people, so pretty excited to have her on tonight. Um, for those of you who, you know, didn't get a chance to catch us last time, um, maybe this is the first time you're tuning in, uh, this is the Sour Hour, and we're going to be talking about sour beer. Um, so we're going to have on brewers, uh, authors, um, home brewers, microbiologists, uh, bloggers, anyone who is involved in the process of sour beer, that's who we're going to talk to on this show. Um, along with that, uh, you know, we're going to be chronicling some of my experiences. Um, just a reminder for those of you who listened before and uh, those of you who didn't catch the first episode, uh, I work at a brewery called The Rare Barrel. Um, all we're doing there is making sour beer. Making sour beer and memories. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> those of you who visited our tasting room in Berkeley know what I'm talking about. Is there something special about walking into a place with, like, six seven eight sour beers on tap and there's there's only a few places really in the world where you can get that and you know we're, we're proud to be one of them um so you know at the rare barrel we'll, we're dealing with sour beer every day it's all we talk about you know it's all people talk to us about we do have other interests so if you want to you know talk to us about football or something like that. i guess i only have two interests football and sour beer but you <laughs> that's know, it huh we're multi-dimensional we're at least two-dimensional people but you know the point is we experience sour beer on a daily basis. It's always on our minds. It's what we're talking about. So, you know, we want to share uh, the knowledge, the the bits of information we get from other people uh, on this show. And we want this show to be, you know, one of the definitive resources for sour beer information, whether it's coming from our experiences at the Rare Barrel, 
uh, secondhand from other breweries who are making great sour beer or the guests that we have on the show. So we're, we're excited to be here. Uh, you know, dedicating a special Brewing Network show just to sour beer is pretty exciting. Um, I hope all you guys out there are excited, too. Yeah, well, judging by the response, uh, people are uh, jonesing for a show like this. I think we got a lot of uh, really advanced uh, brewers out there who are uh, starting to, or maybe even they've been doing it for a while, barrel aging and doing their own uh, sour beers. And they are, uh, you know, th- there's, there's a lack of information out there, really, as we've noted. You know, there's been more and more information about beer in general uh, in recent years. Thanks to us and many other sources. And there's just not a lot of info about sour beer. Yeah, the Brewing Network has been huge. And, you know, I'll I'll see, uh, you know, forum posts or people discussing sour beer making techniques. And the knowledge that people have today compared to, you know, when I was starting in brewing six years ago is astronomical. I mean, there are some incredibly talented home brewers out there making great really world-class sour beer that's on par or if not better than some of the commercial breweries making sour beer so it's it's an exciting time to be a part of this um and we're happy to be doing it here uh, on the sour hour um so on the first show you if you guys did not catch the first show it's on itunes now yes so uh you go to itunes i think you are legally required to, to subscribe to subscribe to it I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a requirement. It's a recent legislation. Yes. We do that a lot here in California. Yeah. California, but then also uh, federally. because you Oh, know, is that right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't follow that. Well, there might be some people, you know, we had some callers. We had a couple callers, I think, from like North Carolina last show. So Yeah, yeah. Dallas. I think we were, I think we hit every time zone in the last show. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Speaking of callers, you know, if you guys want to call us, uh, same number as always, 888-401-BEER or join us in the chat. Um, you know, we'll be taking some questions throughout the show. I know uh, some people were emailing uh, Scott some questions about barrel aging and sour beer or just general show feedback during the week. Um, if you guys want to do that during during the next week, Scott at the Brewing Network.com. Um, so show number one, we had uh, Mike Tonsmeyer uh, literally wrote the book on sour beer. He was a he's a great guest, wasn't he, Scott? Yeah, he was great. I, um, you know, if I if I brewed uh, sour beer one. By my, you know, on my own, I'd be all over that book. But uh, I'm, I can barely dial in a pale ale at this point. So I think his book's a little out of my league. Actually, well, that's a good question. Is it, is it out of your league if you're, you know, say you've only been brewing, you know, for a couple of few months, you've got a few batches under your belt, but you really love sour beer, and you, you maybe want to try and get into it, even though you don't have a ton of brewing experience. Is, is that book going to be over your head, or is it, is it friendly to beginners? It's pretty friendly. I mean, it's taking you through the process. It's not going to talk about, you know, pediococcus bacteria in depth until it explains to you, you know, what pediococcus bacteria is. And, you know, sour beer can be intimidating, but, you know, brewing can be intimidating. You brew your first batch of beer and you kind of realize by the end of it, you're like, wow, I didn't know this is all that went into, you know, the the pint that I get at the pub. But, you know, that's why, you know, everyone's listening to the show. It's because they do want to go to that next step. They want to make their own beer. They want they find something out there that they love, and they want to understand it on a deeper level. So I think the you know the audience we're talking to is very motivated, and Mike's book is definitely an outstanding place to start. It's it's that rare combination of great place to start and maybe also the best resource out there. It's sort of I, I'd compare it to uh, John Palmer's How to Brew. That book is really great for beginners. It's kind of, it's kind of like as you go through that book. It gets more and more complicated. Um, same thing with Mike's book. It's it's a definitive resource. 
Cool, and I, I saw a lot of people um, that bought that book uh, on Amazon through our link. If you uh, you can support uh, all Brewing Network shows by clicking on the Amazon link on our homepage, doing all your shopping there as normal. Saw a lot of people that uh, clicked through that link and bought Michael's book, uh, maybe as a result of our show, maybe not. But in any case, I love to see that. Yeah, definitely a great thing. Got to support the Brewing Network. You know, it's the reason we're on now, talking about sour beer. It's the reason that Mike was on last week. He definitely gave out some pretty good tidbits that are in the book and some some stories that weren't. You know, we took some some uh, caller questions and discussed kind of more complex fermentations that are a little bit newer um, trends in the in the craft brewing industry. Um, you know, one thing I really liked about our our chat with Mike was he talked about how he likes to harvest uh, bottle dregs from commercial examples of beer, and he had this line that was like, you know, you basically get uh, yeast and bacteria with a resume. So, you know, your his his uh, thinking was, you know, you buy Rosalaire blend from the lab and, you know, how are you supposed to know what that tastes like? There's no, you know, beer to go with it. But if you're harvesting dregs uh, like a caller from last week was from like a, a goose tilken, then you're getting a free sample of the beer that that yeast and bacteria has already made. You're also getting a more advanced version of these Britannomyces, these lactic acid bacteria, and that's going to put you way ahead of the game. So I like all the stuff that he's doing with that. It's good if you're at home to, you know, kind of create and maintain your own house sour culture with the sour beers you're drinking anyway. And you can also go on Mike's blog, The Mad Fermentationist, to make sure that the bottles that you're drinking have harvestable dregs at the bottom. Some breweries will use, um, you know, different, like they might use a wine yeast to condition. They might uh, flash pasteurize, which uh, New Belgium does. I'm not sure if we'll get into that with Lauren too much, but, um, you know, that's that's something you'll want to know. Because if you go to harvest uh, Breton bacteria from a bottle of La Folie, uh, you're not going to get anything from it. Because they make sure that that bottle of beer is exactly how they wanted it at the time of blending. Um, so they don't want... Uh, con- flavors to continue to evolve when they're in the customer's hands so is is it um fair to say that most sour beers that is not the case they're going to be having action in the bottle i would i would say that's the case um you know flash flat this is hard to say flash pasteurization nice that's that's a an expensive process um and you know your typical small craft brewery is is not going to have that kind of technology um but it's kind of the fun part of uh you know new belgium is that their their regular beer program is growing, but so is their sour beer program. So they can get use all the resources uh, that are that were built by the Fat Tire Empire and use it on these little uh, what they call their Lips of Faith series beers, um, which include their sour beers. So they have this huge sensory program and advanced lab and so much resources to put into their sour program. When usually that's something that a small brewery would do with limited resources. So. It's a lot of cool stuff coming out of New Belgium. Well, you correct me if this is wrong, but it's not just a technology thing, right? Like a lot of breweries that maybe even if they had the technology to flash pasteurize, they wouldn't want to because they do want their sour beers to continue developing in the bottle. Yeah, it depends what you want. So, um, you know, at the Rare Barrel, we bottle condition our beers. We don't uh, filter or pasteurize. Um, we we view it as, you know, we're handing off the, the cellarmanship, if you will, um, you know, the overseeing of the sour beer from us to you when you buy a bottle of our beer. I think that's a fun part of sour beer is that, you know, people feel when they buy the bottle, 
they feel involved in the beer making process. And it's true. I mean, you take that bottle home, you keep it in good condition. Uh, you know, you, you're doing what we're doing. You know, you're seeing if it's better with age, maybe you get, you know, multiple bottles and you're opening one when you get home, then six months later, then two years later, then five years later. That's a really fun thing that a lot of people are doing with sour beers. I think that enhances the experience. Um, you know, on the flip side, I know I've had this conversation with Lauren many times, so I'm sure she'll be comfortable with me uh, being her her mouthpiece on this on this subject. It's she views it as you know she wants to lock in her blend. This is how she wants the beer to taste. This is the best possible time to harvest this beer from these barrels, and I want to lock it in so you guys drink it exactly how I imagine it being at its best. And it's also, you know, more stable that way. Things things don't go wrong quite as often if you have that kind of stable product. With what we're doing at the Rare Barrel, there's certainly, uh, you know, the opportunity for things to turn south. Um, you know, we build our beers uh, meticulously so that they don't do that. But, I mean, aged in harsh conditions for long periods of time, you know, sour beers can, can go bad just like any living product. So that's definitely... Uh, a fun dynamic to talk to talk to Lauren about and you know she's got uh her view of it and it's just nice that New Belgium has the capability to do that so it you know it's fun it's to each his own but uh it's a it's a nice differentiator between between their sour program and a lot of other uh breweries programs there really is there no way to uh emulate that or or to pasteurize without just expensive technology like if you were a home brewer and you wanted to lock your beer in place right when you bottled it and you didn't want it to change one bit are you just unless you have millions of dollars you're out of luck you know one one kind of i i i have not had much experience with uh filtration I, I mean i've never worked at a brewery that filtered their beer uh or pasteurized or anything like that but one thing that comes to mind is uh you know, just uh, kegging it and keeping it cold. You know, you're not going to get, you're going to get a little bit of development over time. But um, once the the beer is in its final resting place and its final package and being kept cold, um, it's going to really inhibit um, the activity of lactic acid bacteria and Britannomyces. So that'd be a nice way if you're really thinking, you know, this is all I want it to be. Okay, I'm going to cool it down, keg it, maybe bottle from kegs, you know, force carbonate it, um, and then just keep those bottles cold. Don't store them in a in a cellar temp um, condition where you might store, you know, a, a constantly evolving beer. Um, yeah, just keep it cold and kind of inhibit all that growth there. Did you say, now I remember last uh, show you were talking about your uh, dry hopped sour egregious, right. which and we are, we are drinking the... Uh, the uh, inspiration for that beer is that right? This this is La Terroir we got in our glasses from New Belgium, and that's it's along the the same lines of dry hop sour. Yeah, so uh, one of our co-founders, Alex Wallace at the Rare Barrel, um, he loves dry hop sour beers, and uh, whether it's Cantillon Iris or uh, Le Terroir, um, I wrote some other ones down that I didn't want to forget. There's uh, one from Night Shift that I think just came out called Aurora McKellar's uh, Beetle Goose. Prairie made a beer called uh, Funky Gold Mosaic down in uh, <laughs> in Texas at uh, Jester King. They have a Das Wunderkind! Yes. Exclamation point. We had that when they were on the show. That's a fantastic beer. Yeah, all really good beers. It's a, it's a style that's really uh, picking up a lot right now, and I think Le Terroir's uh, blazed the trail on that one. There's just something about um, dry hop aroma that goes really nice with the acidity of a nice sour beer. I think it's 
some of the fruity characters of hops that can play in with the acidity of a sour beer that really just expresses itself magically. So, uh, so Alex really loves Le Terroir and he's, he was bugging me from day one to, uh, to kind of brew, you know, a sour beer that was sort of like that. And, uh, our opening night, the first time we ever sold our beer was at a city beer store in San Francisco. And so we have all our beers on tap for the first time. People are trying them for the first time. And I'm sitting there all night drinking fresh Le Terroir that they have on tap because I was, oh, man, this is so good. And, you know, that 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 was the the chip in the wall for me. And I was like, okay, yeah, we're, we got to make something like this. I don't, I don't blame you at all for doing that. That That's exactly the, the move I would pull. I, it just feels like, um, sort of self aggrandizing, doesn't it? To like sit there and drink your own beer. I mean, even though it isn't, and nobody would look at it that way. I know that's how I would feel. Is that, is that why, or is it just cause Le Terroir is that good? It was that good. There's, I mean, there's a little aspect of both, but yeah, Le Terroir was tasting just right that night. And I was like, this is, this is an amazing beer. And uh, we we brewed our beer egregious um, dry hop sour because of Le Terroir because it's just you know if you can if you can brew a beer that's somewhere kind of approaching the ballpark of that you know we'll be happy and um, luckily a lot of people have agreed it's been one of our uh, most popular beers at the tasting room so it's been a lot of fun in fact we had an event at La Trap in San Francisco uh, that you were at Scott and JP and uh, Lauren was there. Wood is good. Wood is good. And um, we had a side-by-side tasting of Le Terroir and Egregious. That's right. And there was a brief moment there where uh, Lauren and I looked at each other, because we had both in our hands at the same time, and it was kind of like just this, if only for a split second, which Which one is is which? which? And it was just like... (laughs) One of the best moments of my life. Because oh, totally. I was just like, <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we figured it out, but uh, just that, that there was a slight hesitation meant so much that, you know, we were at least that close. That That's huge. I mean, that was that, that, that in and of itself was an accomplishment. Now, I bring up that beer, A, because it's in our glass, but B, because uh, as it pertains to what we were just talking about. I remember you saying that that beer um, is sort of constantly evolving, right? Like one week it's, you know, sort of more dank, and the next week it's sort of more acidic. And those aren't the words you use, but that it's kind of – it's a chameleon, I believe is what you said. And so are, is that beer it, – it's in kegs in your cold box, is mm-hmm. it not? Yeah. Now, but it is changing, and so, you know, what is the explanation? Is it, is it that beer, or is it just because you are going to have changes, but they're just subtle? It's the hops. So it's dry hopping. So just like, um, you know, double IP is going to change over the course of a few weeks. You know, I'm sure you guys have noticed that at the hop grenade here. Actually, you probably haven't because you're selling beer so fast here. Can't keep it on. The crowds are just going crazy. So you don't know what, you know, old hoppy beer is like here. But let me tell you, when it's a few weeks old, a few months old, you know, the hop character starts to change uh, exponentially over time. So um that's really where that beer changes we do keep it cold we don't have it in bottles to draft only beer so i apologize to people listening who won't be able to try it unless they come to berkeley or concord when we have it at the hop grenade um but yeah that's that's really what's changing with that beer um but they're both a lot of fun and we'll talk to lauren a little bit more about that um one more thing i wanted to get to before we take a, a quick break is uh another connection the rare barrel has to Lauren is uh, just the st- the story behind our name. You know, the rare barrel. What does that mean, basically? And the rare barrel for us is a mission. We feel like uh, you know, there's there's this idea of you know every sour beer brewery has this 
Dream Barrel somewhere in their brewery. And we're, we're excited by that because we've heard a specific story about Lauren and a Dream Barrel that we'll talk to her about in a little bit. But Ooh, titillating. Our, our program at the Rare Barrel is basically every year we're going to search our warehouse for the best barrel of beer that we have. Um, so we're going to do this for the first time next year, and we're going to pick out the best barrel we have. We're going to invite other brewers, um, uh, sommeliers, cicerones, maybe some brewing network listeners, question mark. Mm. You know, we want to get people involved and come in and taste our beer in the early process and basically help us pick out which barrel in our warehouse is going to be the 2015 rare barrel. That's where the name comes from, is that it, it's this allusion to this uh, search where you know we're striving to experiment enough that we have so much variety that we'll kind of hit on some of these in such a special way that we're going to get this special barrel. And what we're going to do when we find it is pick it out, uh, serve it in the tasting room during a party, unblended, so only that single barrel. And then we're going to take that empty barrel and use it to propagate its specific yeast and bacteria forward into future batches. So every year, that year's rare barrel will go on to make other beers made by the rare barrel. Mm. And in that way, we're always trying to build on our greatest successes. It's kind of like evolution in an oak barrel. Yeah. It's Basically. what it's what they've done with pot strains over the past uh, you know, generation. I don't generation. know anything about that. Well, the, neither do I. I'm just I, I've read about it. Oh, um, in books. Yeah, and apparently it's gotten stronger uh, in recent decades, and it's it's because according to this like article, the, the, the rope is it's it's used for rope, right? So the rope is stronger. Yeah, exactly. It can okay. support like ten times the weight it could in the '60s, okay. uh, and that's because they used you know the best, uh, and then they spliced it in with the other really good one, and then that one became the mother of the whatever, and then now you have these um, you know ropes that can just uh, lift the Buick. Wow. Yeah. Incredible ropes. Yeah, but that's just really the same, the same uh, concept, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's all, it's all about always getting better, always moving forward. And, you know, we, we try to do that with all our beers anyway. But just to have this overarching program going on at the Rare Barrel, that's just a fun goal to have. And uh, we'll get into Lauren. It, it, that program is basically, we named the brewery. We started this program all after a story that Lauren is intimately involved with. So we'll get to that a little bit. Um, but, hey. Feel free to join the conversation with us. Call us, 888-401-BEER. Um, join the chat and ask us some questions. I think we'll get to some in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, well, let's, take a, let's take a couple-minute break. I need to drink some more of my uh, late terroir and just get, get ready to talk to Lauren Salazar from New Belgium Brewing Company. This is the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. 
are back. It's the Sour Hour coming to you live from the Hop Grenade in downtown Concord. It's going to be a great show tonight. Just really excited. You can feel it in your bones, huh? Yeah. Lauren's on in just a little bit. We're drinking her beer, Le Terroir, Dry Hop Sour. One of the beers that inspired us at the Rare Barrel. Super exciting. Um, you can join us in the conversation about sour beer and how awesome it is. 888-401-BEER or join us in the chat. Um, do we have any questions so far, Scott? Yeah, well, let's uh, let's do a couple of questions that we uh, got uh, via email uh, okay. during the week. And the first one is from Brewing Up Trouble. And he says, Jay, how do you prepare the Rare Barrels barrels for sour beer? What's your preparation? The Rare Barrels barrels. Good question. And, you know, let me just start by saying I think this is one of the most important steps in sour beer making and it's often neglected it's kind of not really the sexy part of uh, sour beer making is kind of the the preparation but um basically it starts with uh, an inspection of the barrel doesn't matter what kind you want to inspect the outside for for cracks and breaks um if there's any spiles in the barrel which is kind of like a what is it like like a toothpick on steroids kind of plugging hole like a a plug on the outside that's plugging a previous hole you're basically looking for anything that's going to cause a leak in the barrel leaks in barrels are very bad they can introduce oxygen they uh you know let beer hit the floor and you're losing beer and then the worst part is you have to clean up that mess and that's just like such a pain if you don't know what's going on it gets all sticky fruit flies come over and then the fruit flies they want to get in the barrel yeah fruit flies are bad enough but Then they want to get in the barrel and really drink all the sour beer. But with them, they're going to carry Acetobacter, which is going to ruin the whole barrel. So it's just like all these issues are in play. So that's that's kind of the exterior part of the barrel prep. Then look inside the barrel, get a flashlight, shine it around, look for foreign objects. You know, I don't know what's in there, but you want to take them out. Sometimes a winemaker will use oak inserts. So there's like weird oak and plastic in there yeah you're gonna, you're gonna want to get that out before you put beer in there smell it make sure it smells good and then you're gonna want to fill it with uh, a water solution so that's going to confirm that not only do you not have leaks in the barrel but it's also going to preserve the barrel until you're ready to fill it so you're going to want to do for about a standard size wine barrel and this will go pretty equivalent to bourbon barrels too but it's about one pound of potassium made by sulfite and you can get this at more beer some of your local homebrew shops um so check around for that and then a half pound of citric acid top it off with cold water and that's going to be your storage solution be good up to four uh four to six months um when you're ready to fill it turn it upside down get all that out of there make sure you can rinse it thoroughly um because you don't want that kind of leftover sulfur flavor and aroma in your beer um, how, the, how intensive a, of a wash do you need? Like, are you talking a pressure washer, a garden hose, a trickle? It's 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 great if you can do pressure. Um, what we use is sort of like a, a a thin barrel spinning head with a with a pump. Um, you know, you could probably use some uh, some boiling water if you don't have access to that. Um, you can steam. Steam will work. Uh, well, but pressure is going to be really good. Pressure and temperature will, will work wonders. And then the last thing I want to mention is just uh, flush the barrel with carbon dioxide before introducing any beer to it because you don't want excessive oxygen pickup. 
uh, when you put your beer in there. You know, slow introduction of oxygen is what you're looking for through the staves of the barrels over time, but not an excessive introduction of oxygen right up front. Gotcha. All right. Well, you want to? Uh, we'll we'll get to a, a more questions a little bit later. But I'm uh, I'm Jonesing for some Lauren. Yeah. What do you think? That sounds great. Hi, Lauren. Lauren, are you there? I sure am. How's it going? Great. How are you guys? Doing really good. Thanks for joining us on the Sour Hour. Are you uh, getting all prepped for uh, the Great American Beer Festival next week? Uh, yeah. We uh, being from Denver. Yeah, I mean, being from Colorado, we prep you know, for six months prior. So you're never not prepping. We're never not prepping. Uh, GABF comes every year to Colorado and it's, you know, it's kind of the biggest thing that could possibly happen um, to your state. And it happens every year. And we, we take it pretty seriously. Hosting the entire brewing community is a big deal for us. Yeah. And you guys blow it out. There's always great parties uh, at the brewery and then you'll have events going on in Denver uh, maybe just take a quick step back and give a little background info on Lauren. And Lauren, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. You've been moving up the ranks so fast, it's kind of hard to uh, keep track of your latest uh, job title. But basically, I think what you do is you manage the wood cellar, you blend sour beer, and you d- you've already developed one of the best sensory analysis programs in the country at New Belgium. Sound about right? Thanks, yeah. <laughs> um, and I am the specialty brand manager. So I do all, like I, Lips of Faith, Hop Kitchen, all those beers as well and you're traveling around quite a bit to promote those right um i do um but i also have a program um that i run called road brewer at new belgium and that basically um you know we we send we have 34 um, amazing brewers and it you know there's there's only so many times people want to see me you know at you know la trap and so they're like really that's the only person that works at new belgium so we send the um, you know cooler younger hipper brewers out and to be able to kind of be with um be in minneapolis be in atlanta and um and i think that that's kind of that's that's it's my um succession plan of you know like when i first started getting on the road i would do go on the road about 20 times a year um and i you know i'm not getting any younger well you Uh, you could just uh you could just grow a beard lauren you'd be right back in there with the in crowd (laughs) all <laughs> yeah, right yes exactly um but i'm not that hip i'd accidentally grow a goatee <laughs> <laughs> so lauren uh we're sitting here at the hop grenade and we're ding- drinking a delicious beer uh i don't know if you've heard of it. it's called Le terroir it's i think it's terrier <laughs> it's the, the dog the that's terrier the nick- that's the nickname for it at the brewery <laughs> oh is it really grady hole calls it the, the dog awesome i like that. i'm gonna start <laughs> calling it the dog like one of the cool kids. So uh, what, what's the story behind this beer, Lauren? How, how do you make this beer? How did, you, how did this idea come up? What are the dry hops in it? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Um, and by the way, thanks for having me. I'm it's real psyched. I'm sitting in my backyard. Um, I took the day off because it was 75 degrees and nice. gorgeous in Fort Collins. I took the day off and I could not... I'm sitting here drinking a beer on my back patio with my dogs, and um, thanks for having me. We're happy to have you. Are they terriers? Um, they are not. No. They have mutts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the Letterwa, it kind of came to be, um, I was at doing a hop selection one year, and um, I was, it was kind of, for one of the first years, Amarillo came out, and, you know, in the, in the, the that first year, it was just, Gosh, I mean, it probably was one of the, 
the best things I'd ever smelled. It literally smelled like mangoes and, you know, papaya and just all the juiciest of tropical fruits. And I um, am not a big IPA fan because I'm not, I don't love bitter. I really enjoy sweet, malty, sour is really my where my pendulum swings. And I was, I was telling, you know, the rest of the guys at hop selection, I was like this, I want to drink this. Um, and then about a little bit later I was tasting through barrels and I was tasting through number uh, uh, four who I now call uh, hops. I just call the barrel hops because I was tasting it and, um, the fooder and she had just had this beautiful, fruity mango like and all of a sudden I was like that's exactly like that moment where I smelled Amarillo for the first time and so I I emailed a couple people I actually emailed Matt Brindelson because I was like he knows everything about hops and I'm like can you dry hop a sour beer and he was like I guess you know like I don't know (laughs) (laughs) um basically the, the short answer you know the I will you know he he never he always is very thorough and thoughtful and kind with his answers and information and basically he said i i'm sure <laughs> why not you stumped and, him so wait i mean he kind of was like why, why wouldn't you be able to <laughs> and i was like i don't know i'm asking you you're a hop chemist i am not um and so i just took a carboy of number four got some amarillo um pellets and dry hopped a carboy and then just basically threw it um and tasted it a couple days later and i was like this is good. <laughs> um, and that was it. And I actually tasted it, forgot about it. And then two months later I was walking through cause I pushed it behind and I looked at, and I'm like, Oh, that is the, uh, the carboy was sitting there. And I was like, Ooh, what is that? And then I was like, Oh yeah. Oh, Oh yeah. I had that great idea. So I almost forgot <laughs> immediately. So was it still tasting good at that point or? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, actually, I think that's when Eric uh, gave me a lecture about uh, cellar cleanliness. <laughs> what, what was wrong with it? What, what, what about it tasted bad? Um, well, I had just kind of left it there. I had opened, you know, so I'd taken the pressure lock off, you know, taken the hops out, tasted the beer, threw everything kind of just back on there. And so it, all, it basically was vinegary, hmm. terrible. And Lauren, I, I noticed that uh, you referred to one of your, your barrels as she. You know, you've got a special relationship with the barrels and the fooders in your, in your wood cellar. But I wanted to ask you about one in particular and the story behind it. I was teasing the listeners last segment a little bit about how the rare barrel is actually named after a story that you are heavily involved in. Can you, st- can you tell us the story of PH1? I can, and um, I will say that this this story, um, the day that it happened, is um, probably one of the most fun days I've ever had. I was um, in, um, I was going to uh, brewing school at UC Davis, and um, we had a free day. And um, Cody Reif, who is the pilot brewer at New Belgium, and a really great friend of mine, we were going to class together. And so was um, Michael Payne. He works um, at Napa Smith. I think he just um, moved, but um, we were all taking class together. And Michael Payne was going to be our designated driver to Russian River, and um, we 
of course, um, had the best day ever, um, sampled beers at all this. We, we bumped into Natalie and Vinny and they brought us in the back and, um, in the beginning of the, our seller program in 98, uh, we had seven barrels and, um, we've always named barrels. They just weren't as fun as the names today. And we had, um, Inoc one, you know, inoculation one, inoculation two, um, OCA, which is old cherry ale, a bear, a beer, A and B. And we had the two barrels called pH one and pH two. And there are in, um, and then we had one called alcohol. <laughs> because we we put Everclear a bottle of Everclear in it to see the effects of higher alcohol on on the um, bug colony, and um, so when we started getting more and more and more small barrels, one day Peter came to the wood cellar and he, he said, "I have I have purchased a fooder," and I had never heard that word before. Um, he looked really excited, so um, and he came in with four sixty hectoliter fooders. These beautiful, gorgeous, um, large, upright barrels. And as we started getting more of these uh, larger fooders, 100 hectoliters, all the way to 220, um, over time I didn't really need the smaller barrels anymore. So um, Peter said he wanted to give a bunch away, Peter Buchart, my brewmaster. Um, and he, and so he said, go through all of the barrels and write what you want to do with them. And so I, I said, okay, I'm going to go write keep, um, blend or dump. Um, because at that point I'd kind of let a lot of barrels go. I'm sad to say, ashamed to say, um, it's like vinegar. And, um, I just, you know, it was like, oh, we'll dump those and kind of get rid of them. And he said, okay, I'll take all the ones that are, that you want to dump and I'll give them away. And I'm like, that's, you know, very altruistic of you. Um, and so, you know, as they went away, I noticed that a couple of my favorite barrels, the original seven were gone and but, you know, I didn't really think much about it. And so that the day at Russian river, um, we were literally playing cornhole, <laughs> um, in the middle of the barrels, you know, greatest day ever and, um, drinking off of the barrels at Russian river, you know, not bragging just happened. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I looked over and I saw my chalk, I saw my handwriting that said a word that said keep. And then under it said pH one. <laughs> and I, my initial, I was so excited to see it. I had been missing it so much. And I was like really excited. And Vinny like <laughs> looked over at me. I was like, oh my God, pH one, I've missed you so much. I did, where have you been? And um, then my next uh, idea was to beat Peter um, because I knew <laughs> that I knew he did it, but he totally denied it. Um, and so, um, it, so Vin, Vinny was, you know, he, he thought it was hilarious that, um, that I was so excited about just seeing it. And, um, a, a lot, a while, um, goes by and he, Vinny calls and said, Hey, Lauren, I sent you a case of beer. And I was like, Oh my gosh, yes. Beatification. And you know what? I feel like a jerk. It's been two days since I've gotten it. You're amazing. The beer is phenomenal. Of course, it probably is like some of the best beer I've ever had in my entire life. Please forgive me. And he was like, is that it? And I'm like, yeah, um, you're the greatest, probably the best sour beer producer in the world. What else? <laughs> and he was like, Lauren, look at the bottle. And literally in like font 1.5 um, around the label is the story of 
us coming to the brewery. I mean, like it's, it's a story around a tiny 375 mil bottle. So you can understand how small <laughs> this, this font is. And, um, I all of a sudden realized that it had my name, Lauren Salazar. And I was like, my name is on a Russian river label. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm retiring right now. This is the best thing that's ever happened. But um, it was pH one, it was beatification the first time. And it just became like this barrel kind of had a, has a life of its own. Um, and it kind of is a legend all in itself, only because Vinny tells the story um, at like conferences and stuff. And, you know, I <laughs> shed a tear every time. And, um, and about four weeks, three weeks ago, um, one of our beer rangers or sales guys calls me and he was like, Hey Lauren, are you at the brewery? I'm like, I am. And he was like, um, get somebody to, to take a picture of you. Cause I'm about to walk in the door. And I'm like, okay. And, um, so I walked in and, uh, or this guy walked in and Vinny had shipped pH one back to us. So nice. it was pretty fun. Yeah. So the barrel lives on. We immediately, we, um, hydrated it really quick, popped it open and, you know, puffed it out and threw some beer in it. And, um, we'll see what happens. Um, I doubt it will be anything like beatification, but, um, <laughs> so what'd you put in it? Felix. Um, I just, my favorite Felix barrel at the time, which was 22. Um, she's kind of my fave right now. Awesome. Yeah. I've, I've always loved that story. I probably asked Lauren to retell it you know, four or five times already. Oh yeah. When, when Vinny tells it, he, I, it's, it's better because he makes me sound like a total spaz. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you, you skip the part about, you know, you running around new Belgium and yelling out, at yeah. Peter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I did kind of freak out, I um, love that, but I, it was a good reunion and, you know, he's a good boy. Um, and it was just like, it's just as fun. You know, he sent it back and I hope to do something fun with it. Um, uh, it's, it's like the smallest collaboration that's not really a collaboration in the world. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to start paying uh, closer attention to the late because I, I think I've read the one. They do that on Pliny. Mm-hmm. You know, they have that super small typeface right. around the And it's like, you know, stop, stop being, uh, uh, you know, stop meandering and drink this beer now, you dumbass. Don't let right. it age, you know. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's like a novel. And I'll have to start reading them all because I guess you never know what you're going to find. You might find your own name. Yeah. Well, I had given away a couple of those bottles and I, and I'm like, whoa. So, you know, my, my gave away, <laughs> you know, four or five in the brewery. And so I was like, Hey, um, if you, like, I'm not, I'm not in here I'm not taking this back, but if you're going to recycle this bottle, give it back to me. And, um, my, my boss had my old boss, the QA um, director has it on his desk still. And which just makes me happy too. But I have one on my desk. Yeah, I love yeah. that story. And then, you know, that's that's why we named our brewery the Rare Barrel. This this idea that there is this, you know, magic mix of yeast and bacteria that can produce not only great beer at New Belgium, but then to start the beatification program at Russian River. I mean, think of how much awesome beer has come from this one barrel. And that's to to hear that story and be inspired like we were, you know, we, we kind of just decided, you know, this is this has to be the name of our brewery because it's this is what we want to be about too. We want to pay homage to Vinny and Lauren who have pioneered so much in the American craft beer and sour beer scene. And it also just kind of speaks to this, 
this striving for, you know, perfection. You'll never get there, but, you know, just to look for, you know, happy accidents and the perfect mix of, you know, what you're feeling, it just sometimes it works out great. And, you know, just trying to propagate that forward is is awesome what what do you guys think it is i mean is it just truly magic it, i mean i guess it's a living <laughs> it's a living thing and it, maybe it's you can't really put it into words or maybe there are no words but what what is it that varies you know, what do you think it is about any given magic barrel it is just a mix of, of bacteria and, and such and you, you can never really it just happens i think my favorite barrel i think she just knows that she's the best I think that she just, I think that she just is showing off constantly. Like she just kind of <laughs> knows that she's the best girl in the world. She, we're, we call her sure thing. And she like, she's just, it, it's like she's on stage all the time. She just performs. Um, I kind of, she's a little bit of a show off. They just have a mind of their own, huh? They, they oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, right when you think that you're the boss and, you know, we call ourselves, you know, I, I, it, it's funny. Somebody gave me the title wood seller manager and I'm like, Oh yeah, right. Um, uh, I don't manage anything in there. Your job is caregiver. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're doing whatever that they need you to do. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would say that it is magic. I laughed. Um, I was listening earlier. You guys were talking about how, you know, we have all this amazing technology and, and, some of it I use. I really, you know, I love, you, you know, I'm probably the poster child of pasteurization. I, even though I hate it, <laughs> I hate being that person. Um, I hate when everybody walks up to me and I'm like, I know what they're about to ask me and it's not going to be about barrels. Um, but it's okay. I, I'll just stand alone with the torch. It's fine. Um, but, uh, the, the, um, the concept of the technology at New Belgium is uh, we don't use any of it. You know, we don't use the the QA. We don't use sensory. I'm kind of a jerk like that. Um, we have a mass spectrometer, um, a gas chromatograph mass spectrometer with the olfactory sniff for, and I don't use it at all for, um, I do ABV and that's it um, in the wood cellar. The rest of it is just, just me tasting. Um I just make sure the TTB likes it when I hit the ABV and that's about it. That's awesome. Well, Lauren, I want to get a little more into, uh, all your sour beer blending techniques and kind of, kind of your, your secrets at new Belgium. But, and we uh, have a couple of, uh, beers to taste, um, that uh, you guys were right. kind enough to send us. Not just Le Terroir, but, uh, what else do we have? We've got, uh, the Creek, right? Yes. And uh-huh. then, uh, a secret. Top secret beer. That yeah. was yeah, I think you guys have MBB loves Leopold, right? We do. We just said it was top yeah. secret, Lauren. Yeah, Jesus. Oh, yeah. there's going to be a I'm whole terrible. thing. But now, terrible at good secrets. Bad <laughs> secrets to my grave. Good secrets done. But we'll 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 come back. Uh, we'll ask you a few more questions if you can hang with us, Lauren. Uh, and I know I think we got some questions from the chat. Um, can you hang in there with us, Lauren? Absolutely. All right, cool. We'll take we'll take a quick quick break, and then we'll be right back with uh, Lauren Salazar of New Belgium Brewing. This is the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. 
Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like pub discounts that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more. Zymergy Magazine and eZymergy for tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love. And access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join right now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer. Bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Sour Hour. My name is Jay Goodwin here with Moscow and Bevo. Tonight's guest is Lauren Salazar, sour beer genius from New Belgium Brewing Company. We're drinking uh, another beer from New Belgium now. It is the Transatlantic Creek, which is sort of like the name implies, comes from Belgium and then is blended with one of your beers. Is that right, Lauren? It is. It's a strong uh, lager, actually. Um, we we kind of have no part of the sour because um, it is Frank Bone's um, lambic, or sorry, Creek um, cherry lambic, and far be it from us um, to even try to go there. So we brew a strong golden um, and basically blend it kind of for a beautiful uh, blender. Uh, yeah, it's probably one of the coolest things that i've ever done as a brewer is uh be involved in that blend i was just saying off air to uh scott how, how cool of an idea that is and just like a, a cross ocean collaboration that, right that just oh, we that did the first so one in 2003 with him um and that i um I have, I have, that's my biggest beer crush in the world is Frank Bone. I think he's, I know that sounds weird, but, um, I get no, completely, um, I've met him probably 
you know, 10, 11 times. I was just there last year. Um, again, was with him, a friend of um, our, uh, mine, Carl Kins from Belgium. He's amazing. He, we went around Belgium. I was there for a week and he hosted me and we went everywhere and we were there for six hours. And I, the whole time for six entire hours inside of my body, I was like, I cannot believe that I'm like, I mean, who knows what he was actually saying? Gems, words of wisdom, but I could not get out of my head that he was sitting right next to me. Um, (laughs) Starstruck. I I was so starstruck when I'm around him. Um, but I, you know, so he sends, um, Creek over and these big, um, at this point now, like these kind of big uh, totes. But the first couple times we did it, we um, actually put it in dairy tankers, and um, the you know it, it's filtered, um, but it's still very much a live uh, product. And you know we got a call from the you know it's coming towards us. We get a call from the Texas State Patrol, and um, apparently um, this. This truck got pulled over because every once in a while it would build up so much pressure in the um, in the tanker that it would the pressure relief valve would trip and a giant as the guy said um, the the trooper said um, I love this reference a VW bus size um, plume of pink foam would come <laughs> flying out of the top of this tanker and just about kill everybody um, and I remember like thinking to myself what that person you know like that like that's how you're gonna die like you're going down the highway and you just see this vw size you know size pink foam thing that's gonna crush you uh and that and um and you know we were giggling on the phone and he was not as amused um about it so we just were like you know just put a stick and keep the pressure off and just <laughs> all ass get over here um and uh th- that was um that's kind of my favorite transatlantic story nice. that's that seems like an extreme <laughs> example of the kind of blending you guys do there what's what's more of your your typical approach when it comes to blending at new belgium and just your your guys overall philosophy on you know marrying flavors together when you're uh you know comparing all these all these fooders and these different base beers um Blending. That's a, I love when people, I like that question a lot when they're like, how do you know when it's time to blend uh, a barrel or, you know, like just the whole concept of blending. And I asked that question in the beginning, I think it was, you know, in like 1999, I was talking to Peter, you know, about the concept of blending and when to blend. And, you know, that's just, it seems like a, a question you can just ask. Um, and I remember he a- answered just like he normally does in this totally cryptic, um, you know, four words that don't really go together. And he just told me, but this time he just looked at me and he said, and I was like, how do you know when it's time to blend? And he just said, you know, I was like, thanks. That's awesome. You're from, you're the brewmaster <laughs> from Rodenbach. I was really hoping it'd be more than a two word answer. Um, but no, it's true. You just kind of know. And so the concept of, um, as you're tasting through barrels, um, I always kind of have this, an end point in, in my mind, I like to put deadlines on myself and I don't ever tell anybody my deadlines. Um, but I'd like to think about a volume I'm trying to make and a kind of time I'm thinking about making it in a flavor profile. And as we're kind of going towards that, I think about the, you know, I'll taste through barrels and I kind of know what role each barrel will play 
in the blend. Um, and then, but I'm kind of, um, I like to play around with the barrels. We have a blend tank, a stainless blend tank. So I have the ability to, if a barrel is becoming a little bit more sour than I'd like, um, too fast, uh, if it was a smaller barrel or a older kind of really mature barrel that acidifies really fast, I can pull some of that beer out, put it in stainless tank, um, and then take a barrel that's not um, progressing fast as I'd like and put it into that barrel and kind of give it that sour. Um, and so I kind of like to manipulate ages and I'm kind of sneaky like that. Um, and, and I, I like, like if I really like what one barrel is doing, I'll take that and pull some of that out and I'll take it and give it to another barrel. So I'm constantly thinking about the end result and then kind of moving stuff around, um, I try not to over manage, like, you know, micromanage my barrels, but, uh, I really like the concept of being able to, um, give them, if they're kind of like misbehaving, kind of giving them a better example of what I, what I would like them to do. It's a suggestion. So let's talk a little about this Creek. Um, walk us through the process once, you know, you were just how, how it's made step one. Oh, Transatlantic Creek. Yeah. That's pretty easy. Um, uh, Frank Bone sends us Creek, beautiful, amazing Creek. Um, we try not to drink all of it and, uh, it is amazing. Every single brewery brewer production worker in the whole brewery knows the day that it comes. We're all standing there with little taster glasses. We're like, please, (laughs) I just want one little sip. And then we move that into a vessel, um, and then we basically had, we we brew something called bean, uh, which just means bone. Uh, bone means bean in English. So we brew a, brew a bean, which is a strong lager, um, and we'll literally taste the, the the bone. We think about the the blend. A lot of times we'll manipulate the bean brew just at the last second. Um, we'll mess with malt ratios or mashing or depending on like the flavor of the creek. Um, and that's kind of the, that's our fun part of it is to try to think about like if it's sweeter, we'll um, mess with the finished gravity, uh, we'll mess with the mashing regiment, try to um, come up with a drier beer to blend. If it's really tart, we'll kind of like maybe do the opposite, um, and then you know blend and blend and carbonate. That's it. It's, I mean, it's, that's it. Um, you know, getting a creek through customs, that's really the hardest part. <laughs> Lauren, what you've had so many successes coming from the, the new Belgium sour program. What are some of the, the big mistakes you guys have made over the <laughs> years? Or what do you think are some common mistakes that, you know, in general, sour beer brewers make? Uh, the biggest, there's two, it's like, you know, the, the, the whenever someone says, what's your, weakness it's like your weakness and your strength or whatever um i would say that they there's one thing people either don't wait long enough or wait too long um they a lot of times people sample too much from their barrels um you'll get a big giant headspace creates a a really great environment for acetobacter um so that's sampling too much sampling too often um and then not and then you'll end up with a sour beer yes not the one you intended or just not knowing 
not waiting long enough and they're kind of being in an intermediary stage where um, a lot of esters and other things are kind of have been pulled apart and maybe not put back together by the love of Britannomyces. Um, I would say the second thing is waiting too long. Um, That's kind of what I've been seeing lately um, is the biggest flaw, I think, in a lot of people's beers. You know, people tell me that they have a beer that's been aged in a red, you know, wine barrel for three years, four years, and um, in an environment that's not perfect for that barrel. So, therefore, it, it, it will absolutely take on very heavy vinegar notes. And that, there's something to be said about, I, I understand extreme sour, but it has to be the right sour. I think a, a lot of uh, homebrewers have been used to hearing, taste your beer, you know, see where it's at, right. always be, you know. Um, so true. That's so true. Well, so I never thought about that. Is, is there a rule of thumb then for how often you should be doing that so you don't, you're not doing it too much and creating that headspace and, and ruining your beer, but you're also able to monitor it effectively? Well, we at New Belgium, we have this amazing luxury of a thing called a fooder. You know, and it's, you know, there are 100 hectoliters, 220 hectoliters that are monsters. And so I can, and there's just me. So I can't really, I, I sample about once every month, every couple months, each, I kind of walk through them about, I taste everybody at least once every three months. And, <clears throat> but if you're just have if you're one brewer with one barrel, you know, a home brewer with a barrel, you know, it's, it's just almost impossible to not taste you know, it's just making sure that you have the Vinny nail in the bottom and you're tasting from the side and the liquid and not the top. Um, and I think that you just have to get to know that you, you're, you're going to find a time, wait for a while, three months, whatever, that you'll find, um, depending on the size of your barrel. And once you find that it is progressing, you know, like that's when you kind of have to really think about it. Um, it really has to do with like size, surface area. Um, cause if, if you're thinking about a 60 gallon small barrel, I, I don't know. When's the first time you taste it? Like three months was usually the first time I'd ever taste a barrel. Three months is a good spot. Um, yeah. you know, we, we do, we do the Vinny nail. We take, um, we're kind of interested in what's happening in the first three months. We actually take samples, not so much for tasting, but we test, um, gravity and P we take readings on gravity ph and temperature every 10 days to two weeks about but that's right we one big uh you know initial investment for the brewery was a density meter which is basically (laughs) like a fancy version of a hydrometer jar and hydrometer um and what we can do with that is we can take a small sample we can have just a tiny tiny bit of beer and it'll tell us how much sugar is left in it so we're not wasting huge amounts of beer by you know checking in on it every 10 days we're doing the same thing with ph both of these instruments can also read temperature so um and i'm always checking the tops of the barrels to see you know how much headspace there is um and yeah, just, we do that for sure yeah and you Once know fooders there's months. you know there's a big you know there can be an, a big open space on top so you definitely have to monitor that we're we're at the rare barrel we're actually doing a three-year aged beer um but the way we're doing it is is a little bit different. We're not we're not topping off, um, but we are uh, brewing a beer. Uh, it's we actually it's our first batch. It's batch number one. 
Uh, we brewed it, put it into barrels, and then a year later, we brewed the same recipe again and then took all those barrels back and put them into our blending tank and then refilled oak barrels up to the top. So they're not really sitting for too long of a time uh, with a big headspace due to evaporation or sampling or anything like that. So that's, that's I mean, that's the thing is that's that's a really great solution to that problem. Yeah, it's it's tough. You can't can't really leave a beer in a barrel for three years without doing something with it. Just you know, wherever you are, evaporation is is going to take its toll. Um, yeah, there's. I mean, it, when people talk about angel share, it sounds it's so great and whiskey. You know, it's amazing. It's, you know, the con, you know condensing, intensifying of flavors, and it's the, it's like the opposite. You know, it's the devil. It really is the worst thing that could happen to a, a sour barrel. Definitely. And so, Lauren, I think, uh, you know, a lot of luckily enough, uh, you know, New Belgium is one of the biggest sour beer producers in the United States. So some of the people listening have probably tried Late Terroir, if not, they should. Um, and then also Transatlantic Creek. Um, Did but, you say it was the biggest? Are, are you the biggest, Lauren? Uh, you know, this is, everyone wants me to say that. And I just... Just the best, I, then. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that. I, I mean, I know that there's a couple um, places with. I mean, who knows how many bourbon county style barrels there are? And I mean, I just I don't know. I I worry about things like saying things like the largest. Um, we have 64 fooders and right around 8,000 barrels right now. Um, so uh, of wood capacity. So I'm going to go ahead and say that's the biggest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what, Lauren? Just start going, you know what? I'm the hottest chicken beer. We make more sour beer than up. anyone in the in the universe. Just, you know, uh, even if I'm it isn't gonna, true. I'll just use all the superlatives. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Just all at once. Right. I'm a megalomaniac. Yeah. Um, I just cannot stop. But the best part about that is, you know, uh, sour beer is, uh, you know, a precious commodity. People have trouble finding it most of the time. Luckily, you guys are really getting it out there with your distribution network. And, you know, this, even though the volume of your sour beer pales in comparison to your regular beer production, um, you know, you guys are putting a lot of sour beer out there. But one thing people don't really get a chance to try is your kind of special small projects. And we've actually got one of them here, which is what you alluded to earlier, the NBB Love. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this beer? Um, well, what you have is MBB Loves Leopold. Um, and that is whenever there's like a barrel... The way that I kind of like to denote, I've had the same notebook that I've been writing in. It's the only thing that I keep any kind of track of the barrels. I've had it since um, 2000, and um, I only have a couple more pages left in it. I'm getting a little anxious. but um, That's before they had iPads, right? Um, yeah, I just I, – it, it helps me. I like to be able to look, you know, like flip pages and look back at what the barrels were doing and I write little notes like check on you know check on pixie dust like she you know like do this do that and so I write myself little notes and kind of gives me a kind of so I always feel like I know what's going on even though I'm not in charge I know at least I feel like I I understand what's going on in there and um, every once in a while I'm tasting a beer and I'll write um, little notes in there and if I'll write little hearts (laughs) next to the fooder and I went, and I'll usually like we'll pull if I just find a fooder. You know, the concept of making sour beer is blending. It's um, you know, making sour beer is easy. And, you know, just deplete all the sugars. You have sour beer, but it's really 
very, um, you know, single and it's all the blend is all the fun part is taking, um, that sour and building complexity without, um, completely destroying like the, what you're kind of like the whole point of it. And, uh, but every once in a while you'll be tasting a barrel and you're like, this is it. Like this barrel is unbelievable on its own, that single barrel, the rare barrel kind of thing. And, um, I will, we'll pull some of that beer off and, um, I just literally will we'll just shake carbonation into it and, uh, we, and we'll sell it or just drink it in the tasting room. We call it NBB love. Um, and so it's like NBB love Oscar. That's our dark base beer or NBB love feel it. Uh, MBB Love Felix, that's the light base beer. <clears throat> but we'll take, um, now we'll find those, those barrels and we get barrels from Leopold Brothers Distillery in Denver, who I, I won't even, I will, I will just say another superlative, the best there you go. <laughs> the distillery in the world. They're absolutely, in my, you know, in my humble opinion, I think that these guys, Todd and Scott Leopold, the Leopold Brothers are, I mean, they are the, the the paramount of what's happening in craft distilling, and we get um, we have the re- really huge honor of having get, being able to get sole kind of rights to their fruited whiskey barrels, and they do um, really proper, like beautiful whiskey, and then they'll fruit it with whole um, with r- real fruit, apple whiskey, pear, peach whiskey, um, blackberry whiskey, and cherry whiskey, and it's this blackberry whiskey barrels. We'll put the the one beautiful love oscar um will he'll call and say hey i'm gonna dump you know the 12 the 12 barrels and um we get them on a truck within the hour <clears throat> they come up to they come up to fort collins and we immediately we're ready they're waiting and so within like a 12 to 20 hour period of dump um the whiskey dump like we'll actually have them full so it is like this relationship that i I hold like kind of like it was one of my, the things I hold dearest and to my heart is our relationship with those guys to get these barrels because, you know, I I mean, we, Jay, you know, this like coming, you know, finding a really good barrel source and a supplier who cares and you have a intimate relationship with is becoming harder and harder and harder. And is the number one thing about, our, our our production uh at the uh aforementioned what is good event uh this beer was was on right jay that's correct yeah, yeah. so now lauren is this the same batch um that might actually that might be uh because i now i'm i'm making um he's been giving uh, me cherry whiskey barrels because he just started making cherry whiskey um he's hails from michigan so it just only goes to show, I mean, it only is right that he makes a cherry whiskey. And, um, so I bet that was, and it is, it's luscious, um, what it does. And it's fun because people always think like, there's no fruit added to it. it is the fruit that you get only comes from the barrel that has held blackberry whiskey. And I swear you can taste blackberry in it. Oh yeah. Oh I yeah. Do. It's there for sure. For sure. Nice, nice whiskey background notes. It's, it's well in balance. There's, you know, a little acidity. It's it's really an amazing beer. Um, is this, you know, if someone's in Fort Collins or let's say someone's coming out, you know, there's a lot of people listening who might be, well, maybe a lot of people listening is an overstatement. There might be a few people <laughs> listening who you may four. also be going to uh, GABF. 
Um, you didn't listen to my uh, advice to Lauren. Uh, we have every single person on the planet listening. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is the best right, podcast right. ever. Episode two. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, if they're if they're going to be in town, um, you know, for GABF, is, will this beer be there? Do you guys have I'm some specialty? At the festival. Wow. Um, on the floor? And, Privilege. Yeah, on the floor for sure. And uh, we did last year, too. I just... This is kind of my, um, this is my favorite beer that we make, um, just because of, it's just, it's like, you know, you find this barrel, it's so great, and then you kind of take it one step further, and, you know, it's like that very, I, I'm the, I like to, I love complexity, I love adding one more ingredient, I'm terrible, as a, as a cook, I'm the worst about adding, like, four extra things at the end, (laughs) um, and I love, I I love gimmicky beers, and I, I I mean I hate even calling them gimmicky beers, but I love that when people just put three extra words on it. You know, when you were reading a beer and it's like that's eight words. <laughs> I, I, I'm like those are the beers that I love. Um, it's right and, up yeah, our so alley. you'll you'll definitely be able to taste it there. I think I have it there. I think it's even at what the what the funk maybe. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure Justin at the star bar will have it, you know, Chris at the falling rock. I mean, I'm sure it will be everywhere. Great. Now I can see where, uh, Jay, Jay has taken a lot of cues from you, Lauren, as you probably already know, but naming their beers is, is clearly one of those things because each, each of their beers is like a a sentence, uh, the names, you know, (laughs) complexity is not a vice. I love the names. Is that your latest? The rare barrel beers. (laughs) No, but that is a good name. I was just saying that complexity is not a vice. Oh my gosh. And I just, I, hey, thanks. I just got to taste. Um, your new ginger sour tooth mm. sour tooth tiger yes. still yes. still oh for sale gosh. at the rare barrel this weekend so good thank you thank you very thank much. you it for means that. a lot yeah it means a lot coming from you definitely well, we just had a bottle share at my house a couple um like a week ago a couple weeks ago and uh um, my friend rachel from um, oakland brought it for us and yeah it definitely um you know in the midst of you know 40 people just you know, running around the house trying to make sure that they don't miss that. Um, I snuck it ever so quietly out, <laughs> poured myself an entire glass. So green. Oh, so that's like the, the, the cardinal sin of bottle shares, but poured myself the whole glass. And, um, and then I quietly announced the rare barrels over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. For Lauren, it's not a bottle share. It's just a bottle. There's, yeah. no, there's no right. share. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I almost didn't bring it out. Now that is the worst when you when you do that um, at a bottle, sh- bottle wow. share. You it, put it, it in the very good. back of the fridge. It's that good. Well, I I, I do have one uh, more question for you as it pertains to adjuncts, since that beer has uh, such a, a pronounced ginger character, and it's um, maybe not odd, but I have has either of you ever had a beer that uses ginger as an adjunct? I, well, I'm making one right this. Oh, minute. you are. Ooh. Okay, well, um, great. Well, but it's, it's not a sour beer. It's a uh, for the Lips of Faith series. It's called Pear uh, Pear Ginger Beer. I'm making a ginger beer, um, I, and I, uh, the intention is for it to be uh, a, a great beer and then an amazing mixer. Mm. Oh, mixer. totally. <laughs> well, and and my question was, um, is there any? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, but is there any adjunct you would? say you wouldn't want to use that i mean durian oh yeah <laughs> who was <laughs> talking about that recently everybody that's like the funny thing because you know you're like you i feel like we've we have put every single thing in in a beer at this point i mean you name it we have tried to 
make a beer with it. And um, my friend Alex Johnson in North Carolina and I, we went on a durian hunt um, because he was sure that we should make a durian beer. And when we finally got it, I was positive that we should not. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't blame you. I've never been so sure of anything, and I and and you know what? Twenty four hours later, in my mouth, I was still sure oh, it does not no. go away. Yuck! You know who was talking <laughs> about it very recently on uh, the, uh, one of our other shows uh, was Dan Gordon, who was mm-hmm. saying that uh, for for uh, new Gordon Beersh employees, they yeah. they um, they haze them. <laughs> by making them taste having like durian yogurt, durian ice cream, Ooh. they take them out to like an you know all expenses paid dinner at like a Thai joint, and then for dessert they uh, they force them to consume durian. And if you can uh, survive that, you can work wow. at Gordon Beers. But oh, you can't man. make a new Belgian beer apparently. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna go with no. That's that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you know, you mentioned you know you it's kind of, it's it's tough to source new ingredients, fun stuff for craft beers. Because, uh, you know, there's so many craft breweries and only so many things to put in beer. But, you know, 10 years from now, what what do you see as the future of the new Belgian Sour Project? You know, what where do you guys, what's the next wave for you guys? What are you guys going to be working on? Well, um, I wanted to tell you that uh, tonight at 6 o'clock we took the coffee beans oh. off of um, um, off of the beer. We uh, Jay and I, we both, both New Belgium and the rare barrel both have have made coffee sours before and we've been doing cold pressed and um you know i emailed them the other day and talked about just whole beans we, we started it by doing whole beans um but jay was kind enough to give me a lot of very very specifics and so we just took we just made 20 barrels of this uh, of the oscar worthy coffee and i think that that was super fun and i just i love just kind of just figuring like when you're tasting beer, there's always like these little notes in them. And, and what does that remind you of? What can that go with? What can that do? But to be honest, um, for me, the future of our wood cellar program is I, I really would like to make more lawfully. Um, I think that I love making one offs. I absolutely adore, you know, adore it. I love the, I love that. But for me, when I go into a beer bar and, you know, like I see, oh, like what's the sour on, you know, there's always like the old standbys and I kind of want, I, I would love it if you could go into a beer bar and, you know, in Philadelphia, you know, you could go to the Monk's Cafe and, you know, Tom Peters would be like, you'd walk in and you'd see La Folie and you're like, oh, the good old La Folie. You know, like I just, I'd love to, for that, it to kind of be like, um, an institution just like, Oh, if you're a beer bar and you want, you know, like it's like the Guinness handle or the, the Sierra you know, Nevada it, pale ale. Like of the, sour yeah, beer. exactly. You know, like the obligatory sour. Oh, and people almost like get tired of it. I don't mean to say that in a bad Ob- way. Obligatory, but exceptional. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that's... I mean, I just, I would love, I just want to keep making, I just think that that style as we get weirder and put all these great, crazy things in beers, like I, I'm always focusing in how to make more lawfully. Um, and that to me is, I just, I feel like um, that's the future for me is to keep making sure that the foundation of the whole wood cellar doesn't get rocked by, you know, all the shiny, <laughs> shiny <laughs> things that are out there. Definitely. I, I look forward to that world one day where uh, you go, 
Yeah, I mean, you go to Vegas, and it's, it's pretty <laughs> barren. I mean, you know, they'll have Sierra Nevada, Pale Ale, they'll have Sam Adams, they'll have Lafayette. But other than that, I mean, you're really right. not going to find much. I, I'm like, you know, I have, there's a couple of the, you know, like kind of the, those beers right now that, you know, they might or might not come from Belgium. And I'm mean, like, I'm kind of gunning for them. <laughs> That's great. Take over those tap handles. And, you know, as a, as a small producer of sour beer, we're all for it. You know, we want that beer as, as the leader, as the flagship, getting the word out there. And, you know, you're a terrific spokesperson for sour, the sour beer movement. And we're happy to be, you know, riding on your coattails in this sense but uh you know, we- and i you know peter is it's just a funny the concept of that him and peter started the whole thing and you know like oh we should make sour beer and you know 97 i i i just i distinctly remember being like i have no idea what this guy is talking about but i i, I want to be here for this <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> well lauren you know we've taken up probably too much of your time already you've been an awesome guest we're so so excited to have you uh if you have time we got uh, a question from the chat yes let's uh have uh, lauren help us answer this uh, let's see it is from gay kyle he said will leaving the beer on the yeast and troube during the duration of aging have a negative effect on sour beer uh, in yes. the bottle uh i think he means probably in a carboy oh gosh yeah yes okay oh, what gosh, what yeah. kind of negative effect well, caprylic acid for one, I would say is a really bad. Um, and well, and like for us, like that, I learned that, that that was you asked me like what are the things I learned the hard way, mistakes I made. Um, I was so terrified to drain the fooders for years because I just I thought for sure, like all fully drain them. I was sure that I would drain the magic, <laughs> <laughs> as you talked about, out of it. And you know, one day I was. You know, I'm, I'm using a barrel, and it was about sixty as a sixty hectoliter barrel, and about forty hectoliters into it, like solid matter started kind of coming out of it, and I was mm. like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is a lot of truth. Like that is a lot of yeast. You know, that is a lot of protein, polyphenol, dead yeast, bad things." And in that one barrel, I would it, every single time that it would kind of start to go sour, it would definitely kick off a lot of um, autolysis notes. And it, you know, duh, no, you know, <laughs> of course it was. Um, so yeah, I would absolutely say that that's not great. But if you're, you know, if you're if caprylic acid will go back to ethyl caprylate if you're via Britannomyces esterification if you're if you're that um, lucky. Yeah, so what you, may, what you may want to do if you're doing this on the homebrew scale is rack to a secondary um, and then make sure it's a glass carboy. Um, you know, get a get a good airlock on that. There would be a little gas produced, um, but, you know, definitely maybe put a fresh uh, pitch of Brett in there and just kind of let it settle out, but not on top of this mountain of trube and yeast that's going to die eventually. Well, what about... Cause- um, even in the secondary, won't you develop even a little troube in that carboy too? Sure. So sure. how how do you? I mean, is that bad? I mean, is any bad? Should you rack to a third dairy? No, I mean you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I think yeah, you're you're good there. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's all all in the amounts, you know, all in the volume. So a little bit can can be a nice uh, a nice flavor in sour beer and something that you're used to in in most sour beers. Um, but to, you know, excessive is, is just that it's excessive. I mean, 
uh, you know, Lauren, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, some of the beers you guys are making at New Belgium are uh, lagers to start, yeah. and those drop, you know, pretty clear. And then you're also, uh, are you filtering going into the I fooder? Absolutely filter. Uh, we, we did, in the beginning of the experiments, we did filtered and unfiltered beer into the barrels. And, you know, the, those the width that were unfiltered, I, you know, the, the, the off flavors that would, you would have to wait for, um, you know, you're just at that time that you're waiting for caprylic acid, waiting for, you know, ethyl, and then uh, unfortunately the, all those acids, they have to go somewhere and then they get rebound and then they might turn into a very screeching um, ethyl acetate, you know, things like that. And that's no good. Um, or, you know, like just so much um, of that ester uh, profile, I just, I don't enjoy it at all, but yeah, that, and so immediately the ones that we filtered or even centrifuge is what we do. Um, those are amazing and, awesome. and, and, and in an instant gratification, immediate start of, of acidification is what you want. Great. Well, Lauren, I want to thank you for coming on what I'll call this the sour hour and a half. <laughs> we, yeah. we had to go along because yeah. you're, you're you're that good. There's too much. I wanted you know as many people as possible to hear you talk about this stuff because you know you know I, I, I maybe I say a little jokingly but you really are a craft brewing legend and you know <laughs> one of the nicest people in craft beer. No, no, no. the nicest person in craft the nicest beer, person. making the best, <laughs> best sour beer on the and the planet. most sour beer. Hottest, don't forget that. The hottest, hottest. chicken brewing. Right, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, well, I I can't wait, and I will see you you in a couple days, probably. Yeah, let's get drunk next weekend. Yeah, you know it. Uh, yeah, oh, Walt's already got the call in. Well, I'll see you like on Wednesday. All right, thanks, Lauren. All right, I'll, thanks, guys, for everything. Have a great night. That you too. Thanks for sending the beer out. We appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, talk Bye. to you soon. All right, that's Lauren Salzar from New Belgium Brewing Company. Worth the hype. I mean, come on, Lauren is the best. And it, you know, I know she's she's gone now. So I can say what I really mean. She really is the best. <laughs> she is. And, you, you know, I, I've met other people who, who have met Lauren. And I kind of get the same story over and over again. And it's my story, too, where they'll say, oh, yeah, Lauren's the best. You know, she sat down with me for like 30 minutes and just talked to me. And I was no one. Like, she didn't know my, where my brewery is, you know, who I was. You know, she doesn't care. She wants to genuinely help everyone in the craft brewing industry if you're having a good sour beer tonight it's it's due to lauren salazar Thank i mean lauren. she she has advanced so many young brewers knowledge and palates on sour beer and sensory it's it's incredible well you you were nobody when you befriended her weren't you i was a nobody that was before the Rags red barrel wasn't it yeah yeah absolutely yeah lauren and i met when i was still working at the brewery um and I, the brewery was actually kind enough to send me out to Chicago to Siebel Institute to take uh, their uh, short course on, on uh, starting a sensory analysis program. One of our fine sponsors, Siebel Absolutely. Institute. Great, great school. The Goose Island Pub is right down the street for lunch breaks. So I definitely recommend, uh, you know, attending. And Not one of our fine sponsors. I, I can't agree. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you can listen to Jay if you I want. I mean, it's a side perk of going to Siebel, basically, you know. So, um, but yeah, great school. And, uh, she was one of my teachers and, you know, learned a lot. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen her at great American beer festivals, CBC, uh, this past year. 
and she's just so generous with her time. And I d- couldn't be happier that uh, she was one of our first guests on the Sour Hour. So that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks, Lauren, for your time. I feel privileged for having been in your virtual presence. Absolutely. I was in her actual presence at uh, the Tour de Fat, New Belgium's uh, bike-centric festival that came to San Francisco a couple weeks back. And uh, she was there, and uh, a very uh, sweet lady. The hottest chicken beer. Hottest chicken beer. And, Lauren uh, Salazar. She's, uh, she's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, I know we're way over time, Scott, but yeah. I, a couple things that I just wanted to uh, put a cherry on this episode, if, if it's cool. Um, last episode, you know, I was talking a little bit about the recipes we do at the Rare Barrel. Yes. I listened back, and I, I was just not very clear with uh, what our recipes are, so I just want to clean that up a little bit now in case, you know, there's any homebrewers out there who want to try out our malt bills. Um, so basically, we build our recipes off of each other. So it all starts with our, our gold recipe, Loose, very loosely based on a lambic malt bill, um, and I say loosely, even that's very loose. So uh, it's about twelve Play-Doh or uh, ten forty-eight specific gravity. Seventy percent of the the recipe is base malt. Um, you know, pick your poison on that one. Twelve uh, percent malted wheat, six uh, percent rolled oats, six percent uh, spelt malt. And if that's too hard for you guys to get, because that's kind of a a hard to get malt. Uh, you can just replace that with wheat, um, and then a six percent of special aromatic, which is different from regular aromatic. We get it from uh, Franco Belge, um, and then our our red recipe, which is kind of loosely based off a Flemish red, is uh, fourteen Play-Doh. It's the same as the gold, but we add C sixty at the same volume as the oats, the spelt, and the special aromatic. Um, we do a color adjustment on that also. It's about 1% of the grist as a dehusked black. Use that at your discretion to get the right amount of color you want. Um, and then our, our dark recipe, which is kind of loosely based off uh, Oud Bruin. Um, and that's that's the recipe we did for some, some of you might have had our beer, uh, Shadows of the Rise, um, which actually won a, a bronze at a World Beer Cup for, for the style of Oud Bruin. Um, that recipe is about 16 Play-Doh. Again, same as the red but we're just adding one malt, and that's chocolate malt, same volume as the C60, the oats, the spelt, the special and aromatic, and then, again, just a 1% uh, dehus black on that. Um, so that's one thing I wanted to wrap up from last episode. The other is just, you know, I realized that listening some of the to some of the BN shows, you know, you guys all had guests on uh, on the session and, um, you know, can you brew it? And things like that. And some people out there, they can't get the beers um, that you guys are talking about. Like we were talking about this uh, new NBB love uh, Leopold's. That's why I asked Lauren about it. It's like, can people get this if they're going to GABF? Um, one thing I wanted to talk about real quick is just, uh, you know, we're going to talk a lot about rare barrel beers on the show. And a great way to get them is to sign up for our membership club which is just coming, uh, the first year is kind of coming to its end, and the next year signups are just about to start for people who are not members already. So that's going to be uh, September 30th. It's a Tuesday at 8, p- or, sorry, 8 a.m. You get 10 bottles of sour beer. Um, you also get the first right to purchase any of our other brands. Um, if you don't live in California, we still allow you to get a membership. You just have to have... Uh, you have to come and pick them up by a certain time or have a trustee who does live in California. So if you're hearing us talk about sour beers, you're a fan of sour beers, I encourage you to visit our blog, um, therarebarrel.com slash blog. 
and get some more information on that. But that's just a bunch of info I wanted to spurt out there from wrap up from the last episode. But I don't know. Episode number two. I know we ran long, but how do you think it went, Scott? I think it was awesome. Uh, you, what's not to like? We have these uh, great uh, new Belgian beers in front of us, and incl- including you know a couple that are uh, hard to find or impossible to find. And uh, Lauren's uh, the woman, and uh, you're the man. Can I say? Yeah. Well, this is this is what I think we should do next. Let's sign off so we can finish off these uh, great sour beers from from Lauren in New Belgium. How's that sound? I uh, could not agree more. Let me uh, let me do a little Bruin Network plugging as long as uh, oh, yeah. on the heels of the Rare Barrel stuff there. Uh, please uh, visit the Brewing Network store. Uh, anything you purchase there goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and uh, keeps uh, programming like this uh, on the air and keeps us uh, developing new programming and allowing you fine folks to hear people like, uh, like Jay. Yeah. Well, thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, stay tuned for episode three. Probably be in about a month. I say we do a double episode next time. Two guests. What do you think? Oh, man, yeah. If you, you line them up, I knock them down. All right, let's do it. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Sour Hour. We'll see you next time. Stay sour.